Um, yeah, but uh, they were going to a park and um, Eileen texted me. She's like, Kenneth just threw up all over himself and in the car and then the container of food. And then, <laughs> dude, um, and then she threw up because of his throw up. So it's just a mess. And thank goodness her car has leather seats in it. But it is what it is. Still not fun. But no. I don't know what's going on. I feel like a lot of people are getting sick. My buddy Clayton, his, uh, I think it's his oldest one, is also sick. Yeah. They've literally had to bring him in. They're trying to figure out what's going on because random like stomach pain and then throwing up like randomly. Yeah, that's what it this is. He really hasn't eaten anything today. And last night he had sushi and he's to the point where it's just like bile, but he makes it worse. Like it's funny how much kids exaggerate growing up because he's like, uh, 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 and I'm like, calm down, dude, calm down. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, I'm trying to make him relax. But then he had a slight fever and then he doesn't want to take the ibuprofen. Um, because he's afraid that he's going to throw it up, but we gave him some like uh, Pepto Bismol chewable tablets and he ate that, but he still threw up. So, the next thing that we would probably do is just like a quarter of a anti nausea medication for an adult. So, I think that should be fine for him, but um, it has that weird smell to it, like, and you know, it just kind of just like bile, yeah. So, but, but. That the only reason why I think that is because he had a peanut butter sandwich, and the youngest only ate like a little bit, but Kenneth ate the whole thing. And first of all, I'm not a big fan of peanut butter, um, due to me being have been allergic to it for a very long time. <laughs> but it is always on the list of withdrawal because of salmonella or some other <laughs> problem. It's like that and lettuce. So, I knew the lettuce. I didn't know about the peanut butter. I yeah. wonder if, because I think his his kid eats peanut butter on a regular basis. I'll yeah. bring that up after this. Yeah, Peter Pan and Skippy. And I bought the Skippy, but I buy the all-natural stuff. So I'm like, oh, that's probably less likely, but I'm assuming it all just goes to the same manufacturer. So, I mean, you, you saw that big recall from it was like Redcon 1, um, What's the other premier protein? All these like ready to go drinks, and they were all on the uh, like something was um, uh, some type of bacteria was found in, in all those. So, and I think even glucerna and all that stuff, it's <laughs> like everything that the hospitals are having. So, but yeah, I don't I don't understand manufacturing, but um, this light is bothering the hospital. This is the office. Um, yeah, I just got a new light. I don't know how it looks from your you end. Have a ring light? It's like yeah. a ring light. It's a bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. People are like, they're very particular. Some people's setups like look legit. Um, but I have this yellow light in here. And this is the office. And she likes the yellow light. But um, we have the desk. Oh, moving up. Oh wow! Yeah, so, uh, standing desk. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, the treadmills aren't that great. 
um, like for the ones that slide under, they say it holds up like 300 pounds. I don't believe that. Like <laughs> it, it gets super wobbly, and yeah, and I'm not, I'm not a big fan of like the treadmill anyway. But I because I, I I'm in agreement with Dusty. Is it Dusty that doesn't like the treadmill? Or no, no, it's James. Okay, James yeah, said. yeah, because like James always said, because he's like when you're out outside walking, you have to use momentum and like muscle to propel your body versus the treadmill is just moving under you and you're just lifting your leg and in, in a sense. He has a point, but so still get your heart rate up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're looking at heart rate, but then yeah, I always wonder about that because like what? Okay, so this is a good segue. Like, what would John Jewett say? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a great question. Or, yeah. or is it distance and force and velocity? Like, oh, so which one matters he's, more? He's huge on steps, like yeah. uh, either going outside or just treadmill. Like he wants when he talks about increasing total energy expenditure through activity yeah. and uh, mitigating the fatigue that comes with it. He's very big on like do as much as you can through just steps like super low intensity movement because there's less recovery demands for it. And Meadows used to talk about that too. Like he, he liked either low enough intensity where it didn't require a, a recovery, like fatigue management aspect or hard enough. So you're, you're really working. Uh, he was kind of those two, but yeah, I'm, I think I have one module. Uh, I'm, I'm in the contest prep fat loss agents thing. And then the only thing after this is post contest. And then I'm, I finished it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if his clients who walk outside versus on a treadmill um, or even like doing a spin bike versus bicycling outside. Cause you're dealing with hills and elevation. Like, I always wonder about that. Like, are you burning? You're probably burning more calories for less steps, but it's hard to say. That'd be more like anecdotal. Like, this person did it this way um, for one prep, and then we kept everything the same, which is very hard to do. <laughs> and be like, they yeah. did it the other way, you know? But by the next prep, you probably have more muscle mass, right? So then now you have a higher caloric expenditure and a higher caloric need at the same time. So you can never really track those things. Um, and I think it's funny whenever people try to say which one is like going to yield a better outcome always. And you're like, dude, like that's fine if you're not progressing, but like, what's the point of hiring a coach or going through these classes like with Jewett uh, University if you're not progressing? So then that it's, it always changes. So you can never get bored or like you can never stop having some sort of like like anecdotal trial of supplementation to help you get better further on. Because you you said that you're you're trying to improve your thyroid. Well the one category that came in, remember the only thing that was uh, elevated on my last the last labs I showed you was that reverse T3. And I I didn't have a good grasp of what that was. And when we're going through the thyroid section in his thing, I'm like, that perfectly answers what I was trying to figure out. So versus T3, basically it competes for normal T3 at the receptor. So if I have 
higher verse T3 that's going to basically like free testosterone, but the actual T3 is going to be deemed less active. And then you could be hype. You could have symptoms of hypothyroid be, because of that elevated conversion to reverse T3 instead of the t actual T3 doing what it's supposed to do. And that was the only thing that was really elevated on my last labs was that reverse T3. But so you're trying to, so you're trying to balance it out with selenium and what did you say? Iodine? Yeah. Well, I just, I started with, I put iodine in because I don't use any salt or anything that has iodine and it plays. He talked about those two things are play key roles in that process right around the conversion of those. So he's like, it's, he also brought up tyrosine plays a role, but he's like, yep. we eat enough protein. We're a lot less likely to be deficient in that. It's probably not the case for us, but yeah. Those I other mean, when you, yeah. When you break down the, the word, um, I, um, or thyroid medication, it's has tyrosine in it. So <laughs> he literally did. He, he made the exact same point. The thyroxine is like ty tyrosine. And then the, uh, the T3 is the iod the one the that's like iodine. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Iodine thing. Yeah. So you kind of break those things down. And it's, you, you see it in the nomenclature of like the chemistry, um, like how it's built. And it, um, did he go into like the, the thyroid and insulin, like how they work together or no, not yet? Or is that maybe like a different module? Uh, he's talked about insulin a few times and its impact on a bunch of processes in the body. Yeah. Uh, he it he didn't make a big point of it for insulin's effect on it. Yeah. Um, his main thing was like total energy, like being in an calorie deficit, obviously it's going to be the biggest contributing factor to lowering thyroid function like he's like yeah we can talk about all these little things the being in an energy deficit is going to be the biggest reason and he's a big component of uh replacement during preps to not a super physiological dose just like legit replacement levels he's a big component of like, it sounds like like he uses armor all or just straight t3 like 12.5 micrograms or something uh, so at the end of this module for thyroid, yeah. he's going to go over some actual like protocol things. I have not got to that thing yet, but I'm sure yeah. he did make a point of uh, a lot of the prescriptions are T3, T4 combinations, and it seems to be more efficacious. So he's probably going to have a combination if I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's funny. So, I mean, I guess, you know, sticking to like thyroid, it's people want first of all people want a medic some type of supplement to be like hey this is my fat loss miracle supplement boost metabolism so the first thing we think of is thyroid but when we think about t3 i mean you don't really want high t3 because then you're going to strip away muscle if you're not eating enough protein and and then if you have the, yeah right so now you start running the risk of losing muscle but also losing strength and getting flat fat faster if you're a bodybuilder, but like what's bad is if you're not a bodybuilder, I mean, T3, it, it has, you know, it, 
it doesn't care about anything, any other tissue. It's just like, I'm going to burn through whatever. It doesn't matter. And um, so if someone's trying to help with increasing or let's say reducing the risk of osteoporosis or osteopenia, you need more muscle mass, right? Or you need, yeah, we'll just keep it simple. So you, you need to work out, do some resistance training. But if you have, if you're taking too much T3 because you think that it's going to make you lose body fat, that's false. I mean, it'll make you lose weight. And again, we know that muscle tissue, things like that, it's all weight, but it's not fat. But then it's tricky because when you start reducing your calories, your basal metabolic rate goes down and then your thyroid, it's like, why do we need to keep pumping out all this like active thyroid? Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very tricky. And then you have like the diet breaks or refeeds, um, the average person, I don't, I mean, what's your opinion about like the average person, like your, your lifestyle clients that are because obese people have really good metabolism. I mean, you know, getting people Dude, have I a ran, very low metabolism in, in a way. I ran it. I ran into the worst case of someone that probably had legitimately a, close to 200 pounds to lose. I could not get weight off this person for the life of me, but yeah. she was sleep. Not very good. She was a, uh, uh, ther therapist. What's the other name? Uh, Psychologist, like counselor, or... whatever. I don't remember the exact details. Psychiatrist. Uh, yeah, and she, so low sleep, high stress. Uh, did CrossFit, preferred CrossFit over mm. my type of training, which I allowed her to do because yeah. she enjoyed it. The community, like she's not competing, doesn't matter. And there was so much fatigue, so much water retention. I could not get weight off of her for my life. And then the mentally, when I tried to bring the food up, mentally couldn't handle it because the scale would start going the other direction. Yeah. Dude, it was probably like six to eight months. And I was going to have her get some blood work. I'm like, I was really, at that time, my understanding, I was running myself into a corner. I literally made her stop training for a week. Uh, because I'm like, the fatigue, the stress, like it has to be your lack of sleep. You're doing CrossFit at 5.30 in the morning, super high stress, uh, relatively low steps throughout the day because she's just sitting in her chair with patients. I'm like, I'm like, we have to try to lower stress, have to try to lower stress. And I mean, we probably got 25, 30 pounds off, but it should have been way more than that based on where her food was. I tried upping her food, having her at a higher rate. I tried like super aggressive, like, oh, we're going to go really aggressive for a week and see if we can get some movement. Couldn't get any movement. It was the, I think I even put her on low doses of Clen. Yeah. Could not for the life of me get weight off of her. And I was getting frustrated. She was going to extend. I'm like, I don't think you should extend with me. Like, I really want to see you be successful. Like, I don't, like, I literally ran out of tools for that one. Per There's two people that I've ever coached that I felt that way about. How old was she? Uh, probably mid to early 40s. She didn't have, like, PCOS? I didn't understand a lot of those hormones to that level, so I did not get that checked. Uh, yeah. I, checked th I had her check thyroid stuff, and TSH came back good. They didn't want to. Yeah. They didn't want to test a bunch of other stuff because TSH was in a really good range. But 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's so confusing, man, because like every client's so different. So like if you're working with someone who's like a a high energy output person, cardio bunny, crossfitter, it's like they they have the tendency to be more anxious and then typically have more cortisol pumping, which um I, I feel like it messes with your thyroid. Um, I think acutely almost because the thyroid does, does John. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the thyroid, in my opinion, and from my experience, it's pretty fast re or going back to auto-regulation. He, he just took, like, I was literally listening to part of this before we got on he was going over a study where there was downregulation in thyroid within three days of calorie deficit. Yeah, yeah. I was like, so I mean, that's super fuck? fast, right? Um, and that's them tracking it. But like, I mean, like when you when you start talking about like like when you dose supplements at micrograms, let's say like minerals, you know that you it's not taking a, a large amount. And so I think the variance of deviation of how well the thyroid works, whether it's like a five percent deviation two percent i think that might be actually you know how many calories is that you know like how much further stress is that on the body so uh, i would be more worried about like um my renal system on top of that so like the fluid retention i mean the thyroid if it down regulates makes you tired makes you lethargic makes you not hold water or makes you hold water but not makes you not, not make you hold glycogen and the muscle. Um, I think that can cause like some inflammation, some edema, but it's a lot of it's probably stressed on the kidneys. So, I mean, I would almost say I've seen clients that have this problem and then I re I do refeeds like every now and then based on how they feel mentally and how they, and how they feel in the gym. So if they feel, if they feel weak, so like, and that's another hard thing to like talk to people about because your beginner is not going to really feel, they're never going to feel flat. But when they start losing body fat, you'll, they'll start to like lose a pump or lose, like lose fullness. Like you can kind of see it. And they think that they're losing, like they're getting skinnier, but they're just not filling back out their frame. And I think that's, they drop their calories and their carbohydrates too low for whatever energy output that they're having, or they drop their fats based on whatever diet that they're on but if you're performing you have carbs i mean i would almost i would almost like try to take supplements for kidneys alongside with thyroid and then do a calorie surplus for like a day and that would because i'm pretty sure that's like what lane norton does he does like refeed he, he does diet breaks i know for like weeks for like a one or one week diet break or two week diet break i think that's excessive because I think that can cause people to go bounce back into like a disordered eating, whether that be binging or just snacking like like a processed food. Uh, I think like a one day or two day diet break is good, and it helps you replenish those nutrients that you're probably missing. But that's my opinion. And but I think if you take something to help with the liver or liver, if you take up kidneys support i think it will help with reducing water retention putting nutrients in the right places where it needs to go and upregulating your thyroid 
But there had to be so much water retention because there was times where I'm like, let's bring your food back up. I'm like, we've been too low for too long. Like, I don't think this is helping us. We need to bring food up a little bit. And then uh, they went on vacation. So no work, slept in and uh, didn't have a gym. So didn't do any formal training and dropped like 10 pounds in two days or something. Yeah. But that, and I was trying to explain it. I'm like, that was us lowering fatigue, lowering stress. And that's why it's so important for us to try to do that. And I actually added carbs in more consistently. I'm like, insulin does have an uh, inhibitory effect on cortisol. So I'm like, maybe even though it's less or it's not as big a deficit, maybe that effect on lowering cortisol will help us because you're like really anxious, like everything, stress from work, stress from training, like all the stresses. So I'm like, maybe that now if I would take her on uh, now, just with what I know, I'd get yeah. a complete female hormone panel. So estradiol, yeah. progesterone, all that stuff, uh, thyroid panel. And I probably, if she was still in that stress of under sleeping and um, stress anxious, I would probably not have her formally weight train. Yeah. I would probably just have her move steps, uh, just activity and try to get her on a, a, decent starting point food wise where carbs yeah. are high like almost like what i would imagine uh because with somebody with excess but like i was i lost over 130 pounds you can't do any formula like 10 times your body weight to no that's way too many yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, so like yeah. yeah not if you're in like a normal healthy body fat range it's a great starting point but if you're excessively that's not going to work so uh i would put I would start at some estimate of what I thought my best guess was for maintenance calories and just start there and try to make sure all hormones, estradiol, progesterone, testosterone were all in place. All the thyroid markers were in place. And then from that point, which that might take what, four, six weeks before I get all that testing, get everything in place. Yeah. Then I might add in formal training, uh, whether resistance training, because I think we just dug into a hole that, her body just shut down like f you <laughs> yeah yeah but man. i was i was always under the impression like when somebody has that much weight to lose we can be a little more aggressive because they have so much stored energy because like i like chicken and raw vegetables for months mm -hmm. when i was losing weight i also crashed my testosterone zero had no libido at age 15 like yeah. just destroyed myself but i didn't i didn't know any better lost, probably lost a bunch of muscle along the way <laughs> But yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. It would it would have to be a different approach. And she went with some functional medicine person. Uh, since then, she's still like, I the thing she learned from me around training, nutrition stuff. Uh, she's made it a point to let me know like it was very beneficial. Happy working with me. But I'm like, yeah. I literally, I would have felt guilty taking more money at that point. With the understanding that I've had, like I had no other avenue to address from my understanding at that point in time. Now I feel like I have a better understanding. Uh, yeah. But then I'm like, I would I would have felt guilty to take any more money at that case. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's because um, you start looking into hormones, right? So like, what's the... Dang it. What was the um 
like if you took her back, what type of supplements? So anyone that's listening to this, what type of supplements would you recommend for healthy thyroid? I mean, I would just address the most common, kind of like how I address the most common deficiency with like vitamin D and magnesium. Mm -hmm. uh, the same two I'm trying. I would probably put a, a kelp supplement that's high in iodine and a selenium supplement in as just a baseline. Like who cares if we're not deficient unless you want to go spend a, either you spend $8 on the supplement itself or you go spend $60 to get the blood work to see if you're deficient. I mean, I, at that point, I would rather, they're so affordable. I don't see any reason to not just add them in and kind of cover my bases as if it's a multivitamin, like just cover your bases and start there is probably what I would do. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, people that are seemingly having a hard time and I'm a big believer that a bigger, the bigger the person and the poorer their diet, the bigger the bolus. So like the larger, the larger the amount of vitamins and minerals, I think you should throw at your body at the beginning of a plateau fat loss. Um, I think that when you're really large, it's hard for the body to regulate sodium, to regulate water, um, to regulate ATP, things like that. Because I think creatine is um, beneficial for everybody. And I think it's beneficial for the for people who hit a plateau and who have a lot of body fat on them. And they're trying to, to prevent that fatigue and that plateau. Um, creatine is going to help with uh, ATP. So listeners, um, ATP is going to be your main driver for telling the body like where to put its effort. So it's giving it more energy for the cells. Um, I think on top of creatine, um, uh, on top of creatine, I think, yeah, with your selenium, your iodine, if you're not using sea salt with um, like ionized sea salt. Uh, I mean, I use ionized sea salt, so I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, I have a lot of people that they think that drinking distilled water is better. Do not do that. Um, if you do that, put trace minerals in there. I did um, that before too. Yeah, and they think it's really good, but it, it will start edema again. One of the main uh, like weight loss clinic things uh, that my brother's ex fiance is like runs like a big part of the region for. Uh, it's a big company. I can't remember the name right now. But they're like 14-day detox thing that was like how they started people's plans was literally all the chicken breasts you wanted to eat, like cooked chicken breasts, all the raw vegetables you wanted to eat, and distilled water. It, so me and life would do that for months. <laughs> like I would go like two weeks, three weeks, crazy binge cheat meal, two weeks, three weeks, crazy binge cheat meal. Oh, yeah. I was an idiot. I, was I mean, that's like – <laughs> That's like Mark Bell and Chris Bell. They went on, you know, they talked to someone and they were like, how do we lose weight and um, and keep our strength? And the guy was like, just eat meat, eat red meat, eat steak and drink water. And that's, and drink like, and add salt onto your steak. And that's all they did, you know, and um, the true carnivore diet. And they lost weight, of course, but, um, and they kept good strength, um, but it wasn't, it's not sustainable. Um, so on top of the creatine, on top of the, the selenium, iodine, if you're not using iodine salt, uh, zinc is going to be a big one. Uh, I would prefer like a chelated zinc option. And um, 
the other thing I would I would kind of recommend during a plateau would be making sure that you have iron, um, so red meat in your diet. If you're not, if you're a vegetarian by choice, having an iron supplement, um, a ferrous gluconate form, so you're not going to get constipated, and then uh, carnitine. Um, and the carnitine I would throw in, I would do it before your workout, like 30 minutes before if it's oral, if it's injectable, it's a little bit different. I have videos on that. But um, I would say like 3,000 milligrams. So you're yielding about 10% of that orally. And I would take about usually with 600 milligrams of injectable carnitine, it's recommended to have like 30 grams of carbohydrates. So I would say like 15 grams of carbohydrates um, pre-workout alongside with that carnitine. Um, then that's going to be better as far as like having a, a thermogenic metabolic response. I think that goes hand in hand because too many people, they, they forget that carbohydrates helps activate the proponent in carnitine. And so you're going to see better performance output. If you're on the days that you're not working out, I would say carnitine by itself is totally fine. But if you want that thermogenic effect, some carbohydrates is going to help you um, kind of have that. I have, to I have to try that at some point. I've never been a big believer in carnitine. I've never done the injectable ones. And if I was going to utilize a quarantine based on what I've seen, I would probably just go the injectable route just because what I've seen, but I've never utilized it. I've never been a big believer in the oral consumption. Yeah. But with that being said, like, if you like it, I trust your opinion on a lot of things. Real yeah. quick. So for the zinc, uh, so I take the zinc with copper by mm -hmm. the vitamin shop. Yep. Uh, I know that's a blend of like multiple different forms of zinc. But it's a pretty high dose. It's 50 milligrams. Do you yeah. think that's adequate? Yeah. I mean, because every time you pee, every time you breathe, every time you sweat, every time you contract the muscle, um, you're using zinc. Every time that you're sick, you're using zinc. So I would say when you're sick and you're working out and you're physical, you know, or you're a parent, you can't stop because your kids, you know, take care of your kids. You're going to be using more zinc, right? So it's a, it's a process for your body to ionize different minerals so that it can go and do its thing in the body so um it has a blend in there towards zinc can be a positive charge um, or a negative charge either way so if it needs to go into the cell or not into the cell um so that's the good thing about the blend um the the copper mix in there is good because sometimes if you do have too much zinc from other sources then you can deplete copper to a certain degree which is why you take them together but uh yeah, vitamin shop is a good one. The other one that's really good is uh, Jaro has a zinc and copper blend, and the zinc in there is chelated zinc only. So okay, nice. chelated so copper, that would be chelated zinc, slightly better than the vitamin shop one, but yeah, it's over. Is it more expensive? No, nah, that Sprouts is buy one get one free right now. So it's like thirteen bucks for a hundred. So you get so you get thirteen bucks for two hundred. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a good one. huh? When I, when I take, so anytime I get sick or anyone I care about gets sick, I'm a huge believer of the wellness formula. But when you take that wellness yeah. formula at the full recommended dose, is it like a thousand milligrams of zinc? It's something, in, it's not quite that high, I don't think, but it's insane. Yeah, it's, see, I can't take that one because I think it has echinacea in it. I'm allergic to echinacea. Yeah, I believe it does. It has everything. Yeah. Like if you yeah, don't I, have any allergies to certain things, I think it's the best like immune, like short-term, Oh, take. yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think like small boluses isn't bad. Um, but um, yeah, if you want to keep your thyroid working well, because again, when you're sick, your thyroid kind of going in overdrive, which is why, you know, even like, let's say you have a fever, same thing, man. Like it's heating your body up. So your body's a furnace is still having calorie burning effects. So you can technically eat less protein, eat more carbohydrates, and you eating your fever, you know, will actually get a little bit hotter. Um, just because that carbohydrate, um, like the burning of the carbohydrates, but it's needed. So, I mean, you need energy. So with that, with those, um, with the zinc though, I would say taking on an empty stomach if you're sick, but it's going to help more for immune system and to heal viruses or boost immune system. But if you're looking for a general help and I would say like thyroid function, um, skin, hair, things like that, then taking it with food would be a better option. So do you think just for like, for me, for example, yeah. do you think 50 milligrams of zinc is adequate? Cause I take that with my magnesium before bed every night. Yeah, I mean, it depends on like how much you sweat. Um, Cause like if you're sweating, man, I mean. I'm not a big sweater. Like even when I train hard, I don't sweat that much generally. So there's other, there's other ways to find out how, how deficient you are in zinc. I mean, if you look at your skin, if your skin is kind of dry and such, if your nails have like these little waves in the nails, then your zinc is deficient. So you'd probably take 100 milligrams a day um, for like maybe a couple months. Another way is... Would you be men. able to feel them? Uh, not like, not those. Yeah, yeah, not those. Like you'll see like big waves. Okay, so I, 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 can, I can see slight little lines, but there's no like... It's yeah, not the little like lines the that go um the uh, perpendicular yeah not the ones that go perpendicular with your with the cuticle it's the one that's, that goes parallel it's kind of wavy um you, it's pretty noticeable some yeah, people but, yeah i don't know some, how to show but yeah that's no that's fine yeah from what i see it's fine um and then the other way um for males i don't know females but males if you ejaculate your sperm will be more watery so <laughs> that's another thing i haven't uh, expected it lately so because it can make yeah because it can increase volume um at higher doses but uh oh is that what ejaculate yeah. is <laughs> i don't know what's in there um <laughs> uh i think it's i think it's like pi yam um Greek, maybe I don't know. So stuff to help increase LSH and help with reducing prostate, so it gets less pressure on your urethra, help more blood flow, and then more blood flow and more FSH and LH. You can probably have a larger load uh, volume. So, so hypothetically, if someone was trying to find their testicles again, uh, which supplement would help? Wait, you can only I'm... take anabolics. Yeah, you can only take anabolics for so long before they okay. disappear. Uh, yeah, like H HMG, HCG. Um, HMG is more powerful. Uh, HCG is often fake now, but that's injectable. For oral supplementation, uh, I've never metal. used HCG. I could get some. I've looked at it, but I've never ordered Yeah, I mean, even health clinics are getting fake HCG, which is crazy, right? It's hard to source right now. Um, so I would never buy HCG. I don't care if someone says I trust their 
you know, like I use Chase Irons for my um for my injectable carnitine now. I used to use aminothylam, but Chase. How was the pain? So dude, that's Chase one thing Irons I've always been scared. Freaking Chase Irons, no pain, no pit. Aminothylam has a pit, and it's whatever solvent that it's in. They use a. So I'm pretty sure aminothylam uses the pharmaceutical grade, which is say lipo lipovate carnitine. So it's like it's suspense in a uh, fat. Um, so that's what gives it that pit. Um, but Chase Irons, man, it has that fishy smell to it, which that's how they get the carnitine, uh, and it's smooth. And um, yeah, uh, I use a 27 gauge half inch and put it anywhere. Like even even in my, I, I put it in my leg, totally fine. In my quad, I went to. I just went to all insulin syringes. I haven't used anything besides an insulin syringe. Like I do three shots the day I take my stuff twice a week, just yes. based on total volume right now. But like, I I switched, dude. I I started getting so much scar tissue from the bigger ones. <laughs> dude, my yeah. glutes just have knots, and my delts just have like. There was so much scar tissue; it like pull that band so yeah. it's like so tight. Yeah. If I move my arm like this, you could see like what <laughs> muscle fibers has scar tissue i'm like yeah I'm at the gym just rolling it out with my pointy ball just digging my delts into yeah i think at that point you need graston done on you um cupping i don't believe actually works but yeah so graston i think will definitely work with a certified chiropractor to me the problem is that people can buy these graston tools now online and now like everybody is grass and certified <laughs> yeah but uh no i'm help so she chiropractor one of the main chiropractors that yeah the same model that i used to manage and yeah. i because that's a adjustment only like wellness clinic there's no soft tissue there's no other modalities uh i have a meeting with a lawyer right now and we're going to start her a side business doing all the soft tissue stuff because it's not something they offer in that practice uh, she's certified in it. She enjoys that stuff just as much as the manual adjustments. So, uh, and I've helped her like with books and stuff around building wealth and like starting her own thing. And right, right now we're trying to get her uh, like my client. This is why all my, that's why so many of my clients tell me I need to raise my prices. I help them with shit that's completely unrelated to uh, their fitness goals. It's not unrelated because the same characteristics that are going to be needed to achieve any goal that you have like building habits like the, those type of things are going to be responsible for a lot of stuff or if yeah. you have a bunch of life stress if you have a bunch of financial life stress that is going to impact our like our coaching situation like stuff gets in the way can't afford labs list goes on and on scared yeah. you can't pay rent like those things all affect what we're trying to do but without yeah. that, whatever, uh, I have a meeting with a lawyer, uh, her friend's lawyer, to see they're going over the contract and making sure there's nothing in the contract that, like, she can't go and manually adjust people and get paid outside of it because she's, that's her, that's what she's supposed to do for them. But yeah. I'm pretty sure she can do others, like soft tissue modalities. Like, she just did some grasping on me, my ankle. She did grassing on my calves, ankles, some uh, tissue work, trying to get my right ankle some mobility back in it. Yeah. And then she did my some stuff with my lower back. 
and it helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah, if people don't know, grassing is just a way to break down muscle tissue. They call it fascia. So helps increase blood flow, get rid of some of that scar tissue, or even um, it may reduce calcium buildup in joints, which that sucks because that can cause some like bursitis or tendonitis. Um, same thing with, you know, having knots in your muscles. And if you're like, you're really good newbie gains, right? So same thing, like if you don't stretch or you have a building, if you just like, all you do is like work out shoulders and chest, right? And then you see the guys that are like, they're just like hunched over like this and they have like no rear delt. I mean, it's just so tight, right? And so it's a problem, but grasping can help alleviate some of that tightness. Um, and you actually get bigger. Like you see people like that compete in bodybuilding, you know, they have like a lat issue and then they get grasping done and all of a sudden it's like back popping out crazy but i don't believe in cupping and um my chiropractor he doesn't believe in cupping either as far as like how hard they go because some they like when it starts leaving the bruises he's like that's too much so, man he's like he's like just a little bit and he moves it around she does the moving one too she does it yeah. just sit in one spot and i don't think i had any discoloration i think i maybe had one little spot in my lower back that yeah. got some discoloration but it wasn't like that whole the time yeah. i've done before my entire back was speckled like 50 different spots where cups were and just like they were there for like two weeks yeah i don't i think people they get fat they're like i don't know it's, it's like remember when kt tape came out everyone had kt tape all over their body and it was like like battle scars or something and i'm like why are you like having everything like taped up because my chiropractor even asked me, hey, do you want this taped up? And I'm always like, nah. And then he's like, let me just do it. I'm like, fine. Because like, I, to me, it's like, I think it it draws like um, kind of like attraction towards me. And I don't like that. The same, but like the people that have like those like, like tattoos of the cupping, I'm like, why, dude? I think it's, they just like the way it looks. And they like, I don't know, like a right show it off. Yeah. Oh. With that being said, like I had some of those because uh, back when I first hurt my back, we had put it on my lower back and it helped me be more aware of all it does. Like obviously things on the top of the skin can help pain signals because it kind of blocks it because the nerves mm -hmm. on the top of your skin, like when you hit hit your elbow or something, why you rub it is because you can kind of override mm -hmm. that pain signal. But so those like on my lower back and it helped keep me a little bit more mindful of it. It helped, but. I had some from like three years ago in my binder that were just like yeah. stuffed in a pocket. And I gave them to her because we do coffee probably twice a week or twice a month, every other week to just, yeah, we check in every week and I talk to her a lot, but like for business stuff before she goes into work, uh, like I was talking to her about, she likes to do soft tissue stuff or like foam rolling, these type of things. I'm like, you should absolutely be an Amazon affiliate. Like if you're already sending people to Amazon to get whatever little knickknacks you're sending them to get, why not be an affiliate? Like it takes yeah. no extra effort. Uh, so like we talk about stuff like this because I just think if I help her make more money, she'll keep me around longer. Yeah. That's how that works, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to answer a few questions? I yeah. Got people ask me. Um, in your opinion, does eggs 
raised cholesterol? Uh, I don't believe there's vert. So the saturated fat component of any red meat things that seems to have an effect on dietary cholesterol, but the cholesterol component by itself ingested doesn't seem to have any impact. And if it's just, it's a ratio of saturated fat to the rest of your fats. So like if you eat whole eggs and you're not eating a over abundance of saturated fat through the rest of your meals, I don't think it's going to make any negative impact on your cholesterol levels. And I believe it's responsible for a lot of things in hormone production. So I think I eat six whole eggs every single morning. I have almost all my clients eating whole eggs because of the choline content, because I do believe in buying like quality organic eggs. And if I'm going to do beef or red meat, I like to buy quality red meat. With that being said, chicken, lean turkey, I don't pay triple for the organic. I'm like, what mainly changes is the fatty acid content. And a chicken breast has virtually no fatty acid content. So yep. I just yeah. don't pay extra for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, if it does raise your cholesterol, you probably ate eggs like the night before your test. And it has an acute raise. So you will see something be raised, which is why they want you to technically fast uh, before the your lipid panel. Um, but it will raise your cholesterol if you have a poor diet of all you're eating is processed sugary foods because that's what's causing the cholesterol issue of clogged arteries is the sugars plus the fats and then the lack of activity. But you need cholesterol because cholesterol creates your hormones. So, well, so just think is a hormone. Uh, you seen uh, the one of my last labs? I was on an incredible amount of antiestrogens with just being on testosterone replacement therapy yeah. levels. I was like 50 points over range, but uh, I was on so many antiestrogens. I expected my lipid panel to be shit because I was yeah. doing that for months and months and months trying to shrink my gyno if possible. I was expecting my HDL to be garbage. I was expecting all these things. I ate six whole eggs at minimum every single day for months and months and months before I went into that test. And I yeah. had like a 2.9 ratio of HDL to total club. Like that's great. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't see a correlation where if you do other things correctly, I don't think there's going to be any negative effect. Yeah. Eat your whole eggs, eat them cage free eggs, the yellow, more yellow, the yolk, the better. And don't eat eggs if you're allergic to eggs, right? <laughs> uh, real quick, when you say more yellow, do you mean that like goldish yellow? Yeah, not like, like that dark, warmer, yellow. bright yellow. Okay, yeah, yeah, like the dark, deep, golden, not the fake yellow that you would see like on a Crayola crown, but like that deep orange, like orange, orangish. Yeah, more orange. Yeah, those are delicious. Yeah. We used to get them straight from the farm. My brother's like good buddy his whole life they had a big farm and we'd yeah. get dozens and dozens of those eggs and their cattle we'd get like ground beef directly from yeah. there oh, so good and, and if and if you're watching from the uk and um in the united states people always have questions about putting eggs in the refrigerator versus not because if you go to the uk they don't 
once they're refrigerated, they have to be refrigerated. But if you never refrigerate them, they don't have to. So if you get them straight from a farm, you don't have to put them in the refrigerator. I thought it was a washing thing. I thought there was something to go with. It's uh, whatever we do to in America to ship them and to preserve them, to make them last longer. We have to do that. But they put them in the fridge. And then once it's in the fridge, it changes the core temperature of the yolk. Um, so you have to keep it in the refrigerator. But like in the UK, no one keeps them in the fridge. They keep them all out countertop. Even in the grocery stores, it's not in the refrigerated section because they never refrigerate them. So like once you refrigerate them for transportation or, or whatever, I, I'm assuming it's got to do something with logistics here in America. But if you buy eggs from a farmer in America, do not put them in your fridge. Just keep them on your counter. There's no need. So anyway, yeah. We got one more. We got well. We got a few more questions. Depends on how much time we got. Uh, so are the new vitamin shop guys calling me trying to figure something out? Yeah. Uh, and I just told them I'm on here, so hopefully you can reach out to somebody else. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, what do your typical daily meals look like? Mine pretty simple. So right now my calories are relatively high. So my meal one virtually every single day, unless I somehow ran out of eggs, is six whole eggs, 280 grams of cooked jasmine rice, and 200 grams of pineapple as my first meal. And I just mix it in a trough bowl, and I eat that. And then I do uh, generally three meals of eight ounces of lean meat, whether that's chicken or ground turkey. Sometimes I get the ground chicken that's a little bit fattier. Uh, depends. Like if I see the ground chicken for half the price on sale I'm like I'll I'll take fat out from somewhere else just get that but uh and then depending on if it's training day or rest day if it's training day I tend to do uh, about two cups of cooked rice with each meal and then my last meal is my biggest meal it's where I make up a lot of my calories I do uh it turns out to 14 to 17 ounces of cooked fatty meat Generally, I do salmon. Anyone that follows my story sees that I eat salmon all the time. So uh, it just, it cooks down differently. So, and they have to chop it. So sometimes they chop it exactly at a pound. Sometimes they chop it like 1.2 or whatever, and it cooks down differently. But 14 to 17 ounces is standard. Another two to three cups of cooked rice, another 200 grams of pineapple, and then, um, Right now, because my calories are high, I do those bean chips. So oh, yeah. uh, I, f I found one that is not in canola oil, and it's just like a bean. So it's at technically a complete amino acid profile, which I'm not eating it for the protein. Uh, it's high in fiber. I Like the more I looked in the fiber, it's so critical for health, managing cholesterol levels. So like I, I supplement with a fiber supplement. I have most of my clients, like that one client that, he allowed me to post our transformation in his cholesterol. Mm -hmm. There was more in play. He lost 12 weeks, dropped almost hundred total points and doubled his HDL. So it was awesome, but I upped his fiber a ton in addition to adding other things in. But I think fiber is super critical. So right now I'm eating a bigger volume of food. Uh, so I don't have a bunch of vegetables in all my meals, but at night I eat probably 30 
to 40 grams of fiber through those bean chips. And I just eat it with uh, salsa. Like it doesn't add a bunch of calories, but I just used it as a whatever. It's an easy way to get my calories up right now. And I enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's healthier than uh, Dorit like the uh, Doritos and Lay's potato chips and such. The baked potato yeah. chips are not that bad, but um, yeah. Those so Thanks. at Sprouts, I yeah. found that, remember? Oh. Uh, so <laughs> if I'm eating enough fiber, if I'm not eating those chips kind of for the fiber and overall calories, there's uh, two different brands of potato chips at Sprouts, which is like a Whole Foods comp- competitor here in Florida for anyone that's not in Florida. They... The only ingredient is literally potato, avocado oil, sea salt. I'm like, yeah. do I want to make a baked potato or do I want to eat a bag full of chips? Yeah, I'll man. eat the chips. For, the, for more calories. <laughs> yeah. I, this is all, like, I will cut these out soon as my calories start getting restricted because I'd want the more volume to regulate my appetite because I have a big appetite. As uh, soon as my calories come down i cut all the like super dense foods out just as yeah. an easy way to make my first drop yeah because like in a bag of regular potato chips a regular bag of potato chips it's like six potatoes or something six or eight potatoes so, <laughs> yeah try eating Goes down six quick potatoes yeah um yeah i mean i think everyone's pretty similar as far as like in the fitness industry uh, what you see on social media is going to be their refeed meals or their cheat meals or something that they go out. Rarely do I ever go out to eat. And whenever I do, I really don't deviate from whatever I eat at home. But yeah, it's just rice, meat. Um, I've gotten a lot less on vegetables. Um, it doesn't do well with my gut. So you have to kind of eat for yourself. Uh, I do more liquid meals. Um, I like liquid shakes, whether that be from protein shakes or just whole foods it sounds disgusting but um cream of rice uh that's going to be the easiest thing for me so yeah that's pretty much it the and my my calories are around 40 to 4700 calories a day so you, you can't really do all whole foods with that without being descended plus i have like really bad um like IBS, GERD, just a lot of digestive issues. Yeah, so that would be a net negative trying to yeah, just force that much in. Yeah, and I'm still small. But um, the next question is, uh, do you have a meal before bed or do you just go straight to sleep? Uh, I eat one of my biggest meals as my last meal at night because I normally will wake up like prep or off-season I tend to wake up in the middle of the night to pee and I'm I'm generally pretty hungry by the time I wake up. That's after like four or five hours of sleep. So generally I eat my biggest meal and it gets me through the night. And I know that there are some studies showing like eating too big a meals before bed can impact sleep. But if I eat too little, I'll wake up hungry. So I think that's yeah. also a net negative. So I would rather just eat and deal with my temperature or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, if you know, doesn't matter when you eat, it just don't eat to where you're uncomfortable. And I think the whole body temperature dysregulation before going to bed, I think that comes from poor food choices. Whereas your food choices are a lot better. Um, I think if you eat a thing of ice cream and pizza, 
before going to bed, you're going to have a lot harder sleeping and um, then you're not going to sleep well. But then also this shows that having no food in you can release more growth hormone while you're sleeping. But I disbelieve that because you want to go to bed comfortable. So even if that means like a protein shake or some Greek yogurt uh, with fruit in it, because fruit can help you um, reduce stress and it can help increase parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest, um, cottage cheese, things like that. It's going to help you and, stay asleep a little and, bit longer. And when I'm in prep, I feel like fruit helps because fructose is stored more in the liver. And I like yeah. fruit because it's not 100% fructose. People think fruit is pure fructose. It's not. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a percent and generally not even 40% or whatever. But I like the component from fruit where it does restore some of the glucose in the liver. Cause mm -hmm. I feel like when I have the big, like if I eat the same amount of carbs from uh, whatever starch source or from a fruit before bed, I felt like I slept better from the fruit just because that having that liver storage a little bit fuller, my body didn't seem to think it was dying as much. It was yeah. still dying, but dying yeah. less. Plus, um, you get a better, when you sleep better, sleep deeper, sleep more soundly, you have a better chance of having larger and more more GH pulses throughout the night. It's not steady GH when you guys are thinking, it's pulses, and that's how it works. So um, if you're enhanced, sometimes it doesn't matter because you're already taking stuff, but um, when you're natural and you're trying to get the best bang for your buck, eat something before you go to bed, if it's in your calorie oh, yeah. range, and to where you're comfortable. So what do you think? I think I have like four to five IUs of growth hormone that's been in my fridge for like eight months. I'm just going to do it tonight. Yeah. Just like, whatever. See if it does that's, anything tonight. That's what I do. Makes you nice and sleepy. Um, <laughs> uh, the next question, uh, what type of fasting do you do and how do you incorporate that in your day? So I've so. I'm not the biggest fan of like intermittent fasting throughout a day scenario. So I don't like short-term intermittent fasts, like 18, whatever the math is. And I think uh, someone just posted a study, a meta-analysis, like finding some negatives with the intermittent fasting approach. So like short uh, durations of fasting, I do believe there are some benefits from like doing maybe a couple times a year, like a 48 or 72 hour fast. Uh, I do think those have a place, but I don't necessarily like the intermittent fasting throughout the day because then it just leads to restriction and then binge restrict then binge. And I just don't think it's the best approach. The more that I, I see it play out in people. Yeah. Yeah. I intermittent fasting. Um, I do, if I have a lot, of stuff to get done and I do it sometimes unintentionally because I'm just busy and then I forget to eat. So then I got to slam all my meals in, which is why I do more liquid meals. Um, but uh, yeah, you need for longevity purposes, you need more than just an intermittent fasting of a 16 hour window. Um, you need to have like, again, like 48 hours is really what it shows for autophagy. So the, you know, getting rid of, dead useless cells and um i wouldn't recommend doing that that often i would recommend i would say if you're trying to build muscle probably 
you know, a 48 hour fast once every month. That should be fine. Some people say once every two weeks, once every three weeks. Um, but yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, I'd rather, if you really want to do it, just give your gut a, a, a rest. I would say one, like every month do a 72 hour fast because it, it takes like two days for your body, for your intestinal tracts to really get rid of everything. Cause that's the one organ that just never stops. You got to think about it's like your stomach, man. It's always, so whatever you ate today, it's going to be going there through there for like the next, you know, a couple of days, not really like, like you can, like, let's say you can see you ate corn in the morning and you see corn come out through your poop at night. Right. That doesn't mean all the food is gone. Like that just type of that fiber is gone. But your body still goes through different chambers or stages in your gut, in your intestinal tract that's absorbing food. So technically it's still absorbing. So sometimes the benefits of not eating for 72 hours can help with if you have like H. pylori or gut dysbiosis, your gut bacteria is off. So then you might see you know, your stomach flattening, your skin getting better, your mind getting clearer, your mood boosting um, affect better digestion later on because it helps balance your good and bad bacteria. The problem is, is that, you know, we don't know that much about the gut. So it's hard to really say what is, what's the perfect time because everyone's different too. Everyone has a different rate of digestion or a gastric emptying rate. So it's, I would say 72 hours seems to be a nice place that's not once a month um if you want to um would be not to where it's gonna make you lose muscle because again you start atrophying or losing muscle tissue being better for like a couple of days so that's like not even moving but if you're up moving around having electrolytes in you so you don't want to just do water you want to do electrolytes so by sodium bicarbonate salt and water you're good to go um but you got to stay busy i would i would i would only do it if you're like i have like deadlines to do not if you're like ah, oh, like i'm off work and i have nothing to do like you're not gonna fast i'm just i'm sorry i don't care what what if you're like oh i can do it through a movie no 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 like you're going to hit a point where you're just because you're not gonna be able to sleep you know like you need to be dead tired and that's where those those walks come into play while you're fasting so if you walk that nice um calm cardio i think that's going to be beneficial but 72 hours man i'm not it's hard to me it's hard but that's part of progress is doing Man, the only time that I, that i end up not eating kind of uh multiple hours after waking up is like yeah. if i wake up uh i like to take my uh kratom and caffeine combination early so if i don't have caffeine with me i like it just part of my normal routine i get the day going yeah. or if i'm drinking caffeine and i'm going to record something early or I'm so much clearer in the morning fasted. So I like to try to record and do a lot of my stuff early in the morning when I can pair my caffeine, certain things, and I don't have a bunch of food in my system. Cause like I'll get not droggy necessarily, but like I don't feel as sharp once I start putting down my meals throughout the day. So I like yeah. early recording. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last question. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. Um, oh, dang it. Here we go. It just cracked out on me. Oh, freak. 
whenever you have that Telegram app open, it like if it doesn't recognize your face, it keeps like flashing the screen on and off, on and off. Have you noticed that? Oh, I have. So you have to like you have to like close it out, and I'm like because when you're in other apps, it yeah, it freaking annoys the heck out of me. Yeah. But you think C bombs gonna lose this year? Is that what you're telling me? I think Rough Diesel got it. I think Tampa. Tampa's Tampa's finest. Yeah. I was going to say that about the Open, too, but he left us. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think uh, only because Dom never answered my question about opening up a Revive clinic in Tampa and West of Chapel. (laughs) (laughs) I I want Chris to lose out of spite. Um, Nah. But, um, But they are opening up one in Tampa, so. It's not under me. Um, I would want one in West of Chapel, but you know, it is what it is. I feel like that would um, go well because that area, like I've got multiple clients specifically because our conversations about labs and like things they were worried about. So I think that area would be a good area. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, the last question was a here with training one. How do you develop your lower back? What moves are your go to moves? I might be the worst person to ask about direct lower back training because I, I've done virtually none of it because of my back injury that I had. Uh, but if I had to say, like, I do a lot of chest-supported stuff, so probably counterintuitive to what you would suggest. But I, I figured really you would want to do just normal compound movements that force you to brace and utilize your lower back. And I do sometimes do the lower, like the back extension things. Uh, generally, more as a part of my warm up. Uh, but yeah, I I don't train lower back that much directly. But like when I'm lean, like I have a really strong Christmas tree. Like I get vascularity mm-hmm. in my lower back. Like yeah, I just I've never trained it directly. So like my P bar rows that aren't supported, my barbell rows that aren't supported if i rdl i rdl a lot so that's probably that probably has to be my main lower back movement rdl yeah it doesn't yeah um yeah i mean it depends on what you're looking for if you're looking for just building up muscle in the back um yeah anything that's a hip hinge movement with heavy load that forces you to brace is going to help uh like the rdls or the hip extensions um I like the GHR, the glute ham um, raised development machines. Those are really cool. Um, whenever you hold onto it and you go backwards, so it's like a reverse um, reverse hyper. So the reverse hypers are really good. Powerhouse has one, so I do utilize that. Yeah. I just it's I tough, done man. It, I haven't done it in a little while, so it wasn't on top of my head. But like, yeah, uh, when I first started there, and my, I was still trying to strengthen my back through like the big three and I would do rounds on that. Uh, yeah. I think I built a lot of lower back strength on that machine, but now I, I haven't done a lot of maintenance work on it since then. I'll probably yeah. do that tomorrow now that we brought that up. Yeah. Cause you, you need a heavy load. So you need to be able to pull something through heavy motion. Um, I so like if you're wanting deadlift this, I'm pretty sure this comment came from someone that I was helping them deadlift. And um, 
my erectors poke out a bit and um because i can i deadlift conventional but the deadlift seems to help me the most but indirect movement would be um barbell or dumbbell rows and pulling that weight pulling your hand to your lower hip right so yeah. the higher that you go the more rear delt um the more terrace like the, the traps are, you're going to hit but if you pull low and you imagine trying to pull your elbow to the back of your spine um that's going to be the best thing for you and not gripping the bar so if you can kind of suicide grip it or have wrist wrap or like the, I, the bursa grip like that's what's going to really help you build your back because if not you're just going to build your grip so if you're wanting to deadlift that's good because you need your grip right you, you don't want to be the crappy deadlifter that's deadlifting 405 with wrist wraps or like the or whatever those wraps are, are those i are, feel right? attacked Hey, a powerlifter. So if you're a powerlifter and you're like, hey, I'm going to go compete and you're freaking using wraps, like, eh, okay, you, whatever. But if you're a bodybuilder, totally, like, there's a purpose. You're building your body. But um, but you want a mixture of both. I think the downfall is bodybuilders looking down on powerlifters and powerlifters looking down on bodybuilders and both of those looking down on crossfitters because who has the best overall functional strength? Freaking crossfitters, man. Crossfitters, for sure. You know what I mean? The weightlifters, the American, the like the Olympic weightlifters, like those guys are crazy, right? But it's very technical form, and it's you know it's it's something that you go in and practice without weight, and a lot of us don't want to spend time doing that. But um, yeah, heavy load, pulling that weight to your lower hip if you're doing a barbell or dumbbell row or a seated machine row. If you if the at the machine if you're a tall guy like us some of those machines they just don't they're not ergonomically correct so you might have to sit up a bit stand up a bit um kind of yeah. make the machine work for you same thing like um yeah like with a lot of equipment and crunch um it's it's not it's going for the average person and so the average person is usually five nine uh five you know the guy five nine five eight um, so like that's what they're going for so yeah make it work for you to where you feel it and, and you can feel that stimulation i would do really lightweight at the very beginning high repetition so you like have that mind muscle connection to the lower back to where it just gets gnarly pumped um and then when you can have that mind muscle connection then you start slowly adding weight i think that people throw on too much weight too fast and i think that lower back is needs to be Hydrated up very slow, slowly in weight. Um, because if not, you're gonna get back pain or someone's gonna claim that they have a herniated disc or something. Um, but that's gonna happen because it's just you jump too quickly. Um, you, you can't go and watch Dusty Hanshaw um barbell row by plate. You know, you can't do that. <laughs> um, he slowly got back up to that weight after coming out of a hospital out of coma for a couple of weeks. And so um Dusty Hanshaw would be someone who would have, in my opinion, him and Dante Trudell um, and um, JP, they would have the best recommendations. Outside of that, John Meadows has videos for that. But I think those guys were perfect for their lower back. I think it looked great. And they actually know the mechanics and how to teach it. So it's one thing to be able to have it. 
Um, so if you look up to these bodybuilders or these men's physique competitors that have gnarly lower backs, um, I would avoid their advice because they're giving the advice that their co coach gave them specifically. Um, I would go to a, more of a coach and the people who know how to teach or know how to coach. So that's my opinion for the lower back. You have to feel it. If you don't feel it, if you feel it somewhere else in your lower back, I was trying to, I was trying to find this video of my old client. Oh, this might be it. So my old client, Brandon, uh, he yeah, has the background. Yeah. How do I do that? Or in the little video, uh, video, that little arrow. And then you just click on blur background again. Cause it should have a check mark by it. Background effects. None. All right. So, uh, He's the one that was really, really strong. Uh, but his lower back is so crazy. I think it's in this video. He's doing oh, yeah. pull-ups. Yeah, and his lower back, I think it's in this video. Oh, Look yeah, how thick. Right uh, yeah, dude, I saw the lower uh, back on there. They're so yeah. thick. They're thicker than the rest of the I'm like, how is that real? He's like, oh, I deadlift a lot. I'm like, yeah. I see it. I think there's a video on buys and tries of, uh, or bodybuilders without borders um, of some female competitor doing some like like abs and hanging like hanging leg raises or something. And her back is just like Dexter Jackson neck gnarliness. Like I'm like, dude, crazy looking. But, when he's hanging there on the pull-up bar, his lower yeah. back literally <laughs> comes out like an inch. I'm like. Yeah. This is insane to me. Yeah, but, that's crazy, man. Yeah, sometimes wide hips, you can't see that. So I would say, oh, got wide hips, got to build it bigger. Correct. One more quick thing about the disc herniations. Mm -hmm. uh, did you ever see, uh, I forget, it was some like meta-analysis thing, the amount of high, like top-level athletes that have herniated discs and have zero symptoms, like their core strength and they use it and they're mobile mm -hmm. and they're moving. Uh, so many people like athletes have herniated discs with no symptoms because they keep it moving and their core stability because they train their body. And the yeah. people that have the worst symptoms are people that sit around all day are overweight. Like it's the same herniation, but because yeah. their body is falling apart and not being utilized. Uh, Makes I sense. remember I was, I got to go find that again. Cause I was going to send it to my client, my chiropractor. Uh, but I was like, it was pretty interesting. Like, that's insane. It's just that, that issue could be detrimental, not by itself, but like or the, the rest of the actions that you do. Like, yeah. Move your body, strengthen your core, eat well, like those all will impact how symptomatic you are yeah true i feel it whenever i get out of the car after a long drive oh it's the worst i got a 10-hour drive on the 22nd and it's like nine and like nine and a half or whatever it is but i stopped to pee coming to Asheville, maddie for oh, christmas okay. yeah, uh, yeah oh that's not oh. yeah it it used to just be dusting because that's where i met her and she had one place there that was like yeah. six and a half hours. No issue at all. I think that yeah. 10 hour mark is my my cutoff. And it's like 
940. Like, and when I went there last time, I had clients in, what is it? Charlotte, I think is the big city. So she was in Asheville. Charlotte was like 90 minutes away. Yeah. And not necessarily in the direction that I was going to come home. So I woke up like whatever, 5.30, 6 in the morning to be on the road to be at the gym with them at like 8.39, whatever time it was. It was a long yeah. time ago now, so I can't remember. And then got on the road, and then I hit a detour based on an accident. <laughs> and on that detour, there was another accident. I was on the road for like 15 and a half hours that day. Uh, that's that's the worst after a workout too. Oh, bad. Yeah, and we... I forget what we trained. I don't think it was legs, but yeah, that that's even worse. It would have been legs. worse. Yeah. Oh, all right. All right, man. Um, next time we get on here, I think we're gonna have a, a guest. So beautiful, and we should probably try to get something about the Olympia before. Yes, I can do that. Tuesday or Wednesday, if you're available. I'll make it work. Okay. Cool. Maybe the other person will jump on too. All right, there I'm we going go. to go ahead and end this.